You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, going to be talking about the upcoming season for Kentucky basketball in a very, very broad sense. Not going to dive into the details, not going to talk about individual players or anything like that. Obviously, we're going to be talking about all of those things throughout the summer, but to start the offseason off here, so to speak, I want to go ahead and get something out of the way that I'm sure we will revisit. I'm sure we will come back to. It is John Calipari and whether or not he deserves to stick around after the 2023 season. And I do think that this upcoming year, this upcoming season, should be the final one for John Calipari if he does not meet expectations. Some of your expectations involve winning a title. Some of your expectations involve getting to the Elite Eight or the Final Four. We're going to discuss that today, and then on top of that, we're going to discuss some of Cal's comments he made following the loss to Kansas State uh, just a couple of days or so after about having a new lineup rotation, I think, uh, in next year's in next year's uh, starting five, or maybe just in the rotation period, I want to talk about why I don't necessarily think that's a good idea later on in the show as well. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. And if you're watching on YouTube, please go ahead and subscribe to the show. If you're listening on podcast, please leave a review. I've been seeing you guys leave reviews on Spotify. I can't actually read if you if you like leave a comment on an episode. I can't see what you say, but I do see the fact that you are uh, leaving reviews. So I do really appreciate that. So the history for John Calipari, I think is pretty straightforward. I got this from Dylan Ballard on Twitter, just kind of compiled all of these different things about Coach Cal and his history with Kentucky. So before I get into why I think 2023, the 2023-24 season is it, let's look at the history. Again, this is from Dylan Ballard on Twitter. Cal has been here for 13 seasons at Kentucky, and he has had four Final Fours. The last three seasons at Kentucky, uh, he has had a worse winning percentage than the Billy G years. They won a title, Kentucky did in 2012, and had an undefeated regular season in 2014-15 with a starter injured most of the year. Kentucky hasn't been to the second weekend since 2019. The 2020 tournament was canceled. Cal has had the same amount of titles here as Tubby, Rick, and Joe B. Hasn't been to a Final Four in eight seasons. Kentucky has not. The Wildcats have three National Player of the Years in Cal's tenure, five first-team All-Americans in the Cal era, the consensus National Player of the Year in school history, the first one ever, and won one tournament game in two seasons. Kentucky has won the SEC tournament since 2018. Six of 12 in the Cal era of the SEC tournaments, Kentucky has won. Cal has the most NCAA tournament wins of any coach since he has been there, and they have missed, Kentucky has missed two of 12 NCAA tournaments in the Cal era. None during the Tubby or the Rick era, Dylan notes. So there it is. That's the history for Kentucky. Over these past five years, it has been, I think, a decline. You look overall at what the teams have accomplished in the regular season. 
and you look at what they haven't accomplished in the postseason. I think it's pretty straightforward right now Kentucky basketball is suffering. Now, there's a lot of reasons for this that I think extend past the fact that John Calipari, whether you agree or disagree, has not been coaching at as an elite of a level as he previously has. I think part of this has to do with the fact that the Southeastern Conference has gotten significantly better over the past half decade. I think some people recently have made comments as, as such explaining how Arkansas, Auburn, Tennessee, Alabama, those type of teams have all of a sudden been on the come up and they are at this point on level ground with the Kentucky Wildcats. So you have a conference surrounding John Calipari getting better. And you have a program in Kentucky that expects to win all the time because that's what historically they've done. So there are a couple of different ways you could approach this. You could say, well, right now, over this past half decade of of disappointment, uh, Calipari and this team, and this program, rather, I should say, they should be elevating alongside the SEC. There could be an argument to be made that, look, while some of these other SEC teams try and figure out how to establish their program in a more solid way, now that things like NIL and and the transfer portal are are a thing, there's a reason to expect that Kentucky uh, follows suit. There's nothing that those programs have that Kentucky doesn't, and so therefore Kentucky should be able to adjust. There's also a line of thought that goes like this. Well, we understand that Kentucky is the best program or one of the best programs in, in, in college basketball, but, you know, maybe they've reached the pinnacle of what a college basketball program can be, and the SEC is just finally seeing some of their other programs become more valuable and become stronger uh, over this past half decade, and they're just simply shortening the gap between what is elite. There's also that line of thinking. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that if you have one opinion or the other that you're entirely wrong. I think that you can definitely look at this both ways. I hate to fence ride here, so let me be more direct in what I think this next season should be. I think it should be it for John Calipari. We've had five years where Kentucky has essentially done nothing in the NCAA tournament, and I understand the fact that that 2020 team probably would have had a legitimate chance to make a run We just didn't get to see it. That's the problem here. We can't reminisce on, oh, what ifs. Now that we've seen back-to-back, well, let's go back-to-back-to-back seasons of extreme ineptitude um, from John Calipari. And you may say, like I've said, well, this whole regular season was not lost. And we're right about this particular most recent season. Two years ago, a losing record. That 9-16 and record, extremely unacceptable. Extremely unacceptable. And the 2021-22 season, you got bounced in the first round by St. Peter's. Which, to Cal's argument as of late, that's never happened in the history of his coaching tenure. It's bound to happen at some point. That's fair. It's a really bad time for it to happen, considering all the other things going on. And this season, you had so many expectations heading into the year that all of a sudden, halfway through it, you feel like you can't accomplish anything at 10-6, and then you rebound while people are still acknowledging the fact that you are full of turmoil as as a team, not a program, as a team. These individual players may be good at their peak, but consistency is not the name of the game for these cats this year. And so they got bounced in the round of 32, as most of us expected. 
there was not any sort of late season expectation for Kentucky to make a run. Now, you may sit here and say, Lance, you said as much on your most recent podcast before they started the NCAA tournament. I said that there was a possibility. I never said that it was going to happen. You notice how many times in that week leading up to the NCAA tournament I said this is not a prediction segment? That's because the Wildcats have been, again, very inconsistent. What I've tried to do consistently is lay out the pop possibilities to leave all doors open because I think so often we as fans and we as people that observe the sport can be closed-minded and closed doors whenever they're truly not closed. Something that Josh Pate cons- continues to say is he references the fan or the person that says, oh, it's this and it's not even close. When in reality, it's probably much closer than they think and it's just a moment's notice away from being completely the opposite of what they believe. I think, though, if we're going to start defining specific things that I think have to happen, I do think Kentucky needs to make a deep postseason run next year with this roster that they've got coming in with what I only expect to be solid transfer portal additions to help aid this five-star class. I think that this 2023 season is it. And I'm not going to sit here and say it's not even close because Kentucky could make an Elite Eight and Mitch Barnhart may still want him around. Who knows? He's the one that locked him into this contract, so surely he knew that an outcome like this where all of a sudden there's a lack of success could have been coming. Right now, Kentucky is at a crossroads, as they were last year. They're still deciding where they want to turn. And with all this talent coming in next season, I find little excuse exiting the 2022-23 season for John Calipari not to make something happen. Auburn is going to be down. Alabama is going to be without a top three draft pick. Arkansas is going to be without several draft picks. You have to make a move. Tennessee is going to be without some of their most experienced players they've had on roster for, I'm not exaggerating, half a decade. You have to make a move. You have to make a move. On paper right now, things should be extremely good next year. But there's so much hesitation because of how the last five seasons have gone. Kentucky has not won a tournament, an SEC tournament, in since 2018. They've not gotten past the round of 32 in forever. Something has to give. And I think the talent may push them over the edge. There's also a positive side of this year. And they've got a lot of different guys that I think could mesh into a starting role or could maybe end up being in the rotation Like I said at the beginning of the show, Cal recently discussed what a a lineup may look like. Maybe the starting lineup. Maybe a rotational thing. And I don't necessarily know if I'm fired up about it. Before I get to that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at FanDuel. Kentucky may be out, but the tournament is continuing to heat up, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel. It's America's number one sportsbook. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000, and that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. All you have to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. You can also bet on player prop, uh, props like points, rebounds, assists, steals, 
all of that good stuff. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. So, don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. You can make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, continuing along here on the Wednesday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. A uh, question to those in the audience. Who wants two seven-footers in next year's lineup? Who wants it? Because to be quite honest with you, I don't know if I do. And I'm not going to sit here and melt down and be negative because I think there's a really interesting side to playing two really tall guys in your rotation. Well, let's go ahead and get into the comments. So just a few days ago, John Calipari hopped on a radio show. If I'm not mistaken, it was KSR. He was talking about the ability to play uh, different guys in his rotation. He was asked about Aaron Bradshaw, the five-star center in this upcoming class, and you've got Onyenzo, who was a five-star center in this previous class. He reclassified to, uh, to the 2022 uh, recruiting class. And he said, quote, when you have shot blockers, the opposing team shooting percentages go down. So let's hope that, you know, we may be able to play two seven-footers at one time because they're both skilled. They can both shoot. They can shoot 15-footers. One of them can shoot threes. So you have two seven-footers that if you choose, you can play them together. And then there was a tweet from Jack Pilgrim saying uh, that Cal also noted that Onyenzo has a chance to be special. So here is the the situation next year. You had Onyenzo this past year kind of sitting on the bench, essentially irrelevant to what Kentucky did this year, um, just kind of developing. You know, he was a kid that, again, like I mentioned, reclassified, should have been playing in high school uh, for, for half of this season, and he was just developing. That, that was Onyenzo's thing. Bradshaw commits, if I'm not mistaken, sometime last, I want to say either late mid-October or late October. And there's excitement about this pairing, this duo, because Bradshaw is different than Onyenzo. Onyenzo is offensively raw. He's a very, very good defensive prospect. Meanwhile, Bradshaw, I think, is a little bit more versatile I think he can actually take some shots and knock them down. Like Cal mentioned, he, he can shoot the three. He's capable of doing things like handling the ball. He can play solid defense, uh, but he's more of an offensive threat. So I, I think that that immediately presents some intrigue. Like, well, what if you have that complementary pair on the floor with each other? Here's the problem that I have with this. I think the game... And who knows, this is just my subjective opinion. The game, I think, has modernized and and changed to the point where you can have success playing some of these tighter-spacing, taller-looking lineups, right? You can have success, but you're never going to win a title doing it. If that's the goal, and it should be every year at Kentucky, I don't know if Kentucky can do that anymore. Some of you out there may say, well, Cal almost won a title doing it with Cat and Willie Cauley-Stein a year ago, or excuse me, a while ago. That was almost a decade ago. That was quite a while ago. 
And even KSR notes, like, sure, these guys aren't Cat and Willie Cauley-Stein, but they're still very, very talented players. Let's not discount that at the same time. While I may sit here and say, I don't necessarily know if that's good for Kentucky's offensive system, let's also talk about the fact that while these guys are still incredibly special prospects, they aren't just some eh, five stars. On top of all of this, if you guys want to talk about Kentucky playing an outdated system, I mean, these guys could fit into it. I mean, shoot. I think that these two guys could probably work fine. If Kentucky's going to run something so people claim to be outdated and they run it with two taller guys, I mean, that's how the system works. You don't run an outdated system with shorter players. You'll figure out very quickly that you can't protect the rim like you did this year. There was something that Matt Jones tweeted. I know some of you like him. I know some of you don't. Um, but this is more about what he he pulled from the KSR Facebook group. And he said it's a great statistical look at this year's Kentucky basketball team. According to this poll from the KSR uh, Facebook group, Kentucky took 38.6%, or excuse me, they took, or they made 38.36% of their mid-range jumpers, right? They made 67% of the shots they took directly at the rim, and they made 38% of the shots that they took in the paint, just not at the rim. They shot 34% from straight on from three, and they shot 36.9% from the corners, okay? According to points for, per field goal attempt, they averaged about 1.3 inside directly at the rim, 0.77 and 0.78 for the mid-range and inside the paint, and then 0.103 and 0.111 for three-pointers. So what that tells you, just looking directly at the statistics, is the mid-range jumper is a shot that statistically Kentucky hit almost less than they did from outside the arc, and it's worth a point less. And it's shown in the points per field goal attempt that they got when it compared to taking threes and taking shots at the rim. It's a very, very, very straightforward way of explaining three is better than two. You hit from three almost as often as you do from inside the arc at two compared to at the rim. So, therefore, if you're looking to run an efficient offense, you look for the corners, you look for straightaway threes, and you look for the rim. And you may say, Lance, it's so much more difficult than just saying that to actually implement an offense that's good at that that a defense does not clamp down on. And you're right. It does take skill, to modernize, and it takes the it takes a, a, a smart, offensively-minded coach to make that adjustment and to make it work. That's what Alabama's doing. That's what Brandon Miller and Mark Sears and Noah Clowney and all of these lengthy guys there at Alabama are doing right now. They're spacing really, really well with tall guys that can shoot, first and foremost, and they're getting efficient shots. They're not taking bad shots. This little graph here, this little breakdown of, of Kentucky's uh, shot percentages and, and the areas that they took them, goes on to explain what this team would look like with a modern offense, so to speak. So Kentucky took 60 shots a game, they averaged 74 points a game, and their uh, points per field goal attempt was 1.013, okay? So 74 points a game. If they cut out the mid-range to the averages of a modern offense, 
which they go from taking 22% of their shots from mid-range to 5%. They go from taking 27.5% of their shots in the, in, directly at the rim to 40%, which, by the way, I just want to say the fact that only a quarter of your shots are at the rim is disgusting. And you go from taking 21.5% of your threes to 30% of your shots being threes. You go from averaging 74 points to almost 81 points a game in the same amount of shot attempts. Your points per field goal attempts goes up. And I know that some of you may not care about all these numbers. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. If you take better shots, let's not even talk about numbers here for a second. If you take shots that are easier to hit and you hit them just as often as you do more difficult shots that count for less points, you should be taking the less difficult shots significantly more often. Because at the end of the day, if they give you an extra point and they're easier to hit, why wouldn't you search for them? Why wouldn't you try and hit them? And I'm not saying every single shot should be a three. I'm saying every shot that Kentucky has should be an efficient shot selection. Every shot should be an attempt at that, right? In a normal half-court setting, I'm not saying when the pressure's on. I'm not saying when you got to get a buzzer beat and look. I'm saying whenever you're just running your offense, every shot should be a look at the rim or from an efficient spot outside of it. You don't have to cut down on the mid-range entirely, but you have to cut down on it significantly if you want to become as elite as you could be. Do you guys remember actually this time last year after Kentucky lost to St. Peter's, we were doing kind of a year in review and I was sitting here saying, look, Kentucky had a good offense. It was the defense that faltered down the stretch for them. I'm not trying to sit here and say, what if, what if, what if. This offense could have been better and I don't know how how many more wins it could have equated to. I'm just acknowledge it. Let's acknowledge the fact that if they had better shot selection, this would have been a better offense overall. Prob- I don't know, would it have changed anything? I don't know. I'm just saying that it could have been better by enough of a margin to say, okay, what does Kentucky got to do next year to change this? And do you remember we were doing shows in the in the summer, and one of the shows that we did was saying Kentucky's probably going to have a more modern offense just based on what Cal was saying. And that ended up being very much so not true. I've got no faith in him changing anything. I've got no faith in this coaching staff changing anything. They're going to try and go out there with some really, really talented big men and several guards and wings that can shoot the three. They're going to try and make them take mid-range jumpers about four times more often than they should. And I think it's going to be extremely painful to watch. Unless they just adhere to what these kids' strengths are, I think it's going to be very painful to watch. Not because Kentucky's not going to score, but because of the realization game in and game out of what this team could be. So if you want to play two seven-footers, have at it. I just, don't think it's, I just don't think it's going to bring you a title. If that's what Cal wants to do, I don't think it's bringing them a title. I fence ride too often on this show. And I think that this is one that I'm going to plant my flag on. If Aaron Bradshaw and Uguna and Yenzo start beside each other next year, Kentucky basketball will not win a national title. And I don't think they'll make a Final Four either. If you disagree with that, if you agree with that, you can leave it in the YouTube comments below or you can hit me on the socials. 
And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. We've got some really, I think, more fun topics coming forward. Now that we've lost, I don't want to sit here and reflect on the season and whine and complain. I want to look forward to next year. Let's be critical where we should be critical, and let's get excited where we should get excited because while we may sit here and complain about the offense, about what it, it, it could not be, listen, we got five five-stars coming in that we need to talk about. We've got so many different transfer portal things we need to talk about. We've got football. To, we, we've got Kentucky's Pro Day here in just about 48 hours. So make sure you're following us everywhere we are uh, listed, whether you're listening on podcast or if you're watching on YouTube. And again, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on UK. You can follow me on Twitter at LanceDahl underscore, and you can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky podcast questions comments concerns leave them in the youtube comments hit me on the socials i will see you all tomorrow for another episode of locked on kentucky hope you guys have a great rest of your day and god bless